Good morning. Is my mic up loud enough? <laughs> loud and proud. It's a good day, amen? My name is Les Terrell, for those of you who don't know me, all of you out there in the crowd. We want to welcome you this morning to the Wisdom Seekers class here at the Father's Church. Today is uh, the 30th of June already. Can you believe that? 2019. We are midway through the year. Wow. Time does fly, does it not? It stands still for no man. So um, we just got back from the beach, and it was a wonderful time of um, fellowship with the family and just some quiet time and just basically rest and rejuvenation. And um, even before we went, though, the Lord had um, been speaking to me about a couple of things that I want to share with you this morning and have some discussion about. I've got a handout, so I'm going to hand it out. Actually, I'll just start over here. Um... You're welcome. Your sister. Mm-hmm. Looks like we may have some other folks that are out on vacation. Possibly. Thank you. <coughs> Um, so the Lord has he's been talking to me about um, this passage that's at the top of your teaching sheet. From Matthew chapter 12, and it's in verse 36 and 37. It says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment for by thy words shalt thou be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned now i think about this just this concept of having to give an account of every idle word we speak you know when we think about that i think many of us when we think about these idle words it's just like you know kind of flippant words or things that we just you know happen to say kind of off the cuff that maybe we shouldn't have and I'm sure that it does mean that to some extent but when I started doing some study of this it's there's it's certainly uh, more than that and you know we have to think about and be mindful of the importance of what we say don't we I think we do. And it what stuck with me in this passage, when you look at this word idle, and I've put it up there at the top of the sheet, it's from the word argos. And it means <coughs> um, to be inactive. It means to be unemployed or to be lazy or useless. 
And you know, you think about, oh, that, you know, you talk about an, an, an inanimate object that's sitting over there just kind of idle. It's doing nothing, right? It's not being of any use. It's not been put to service. It doesn't really have a purpose currently. It's just idle. As a matter of fact, how many of you, you know, when you get to a car, I mean, I'm sorry, when you're in your car and you get to a light or a stop sign, what is your car doing? It's idling right rick knows from riding motorcycles you can put the motorcycle you don't you want to start the motorcycle in an idle where it's not in gear you know it's not it's not in a position to move forward and to advance and to fulfill its intended purpose because it's it's idling right this word also means um barren and barrenness and that's what really stuck out to me um in this in this definition you know when we read in the scripture about barrenness you know it's it's a it's a point where it's frequently it's it's we read about women that are barren right and they they, they couldn't bring forth children and then the lord miraculously touches and causes fruitfulness to come forth right that's what the lord really impressed upon me about um this passage that says that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak we need to be mindful yes of what we say but more so of i don't really want to say how we say it but the the use of the word the the intended purpose of that word right we need to make sure that when we speak that we speak words that are not barren What's the opposite of <clears throat> barrenness? Fruitfulness, right? We need to speak words that are fruitful and that bring forth life and nourishment and sustenance. Um, you know, in Proverbs 18:21, we read, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof." Right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Meaning, the words we say, the words we speak, we can bring forth life and abundance, or we can bring forth death um, and desolation. Right? And, and we, we speak these, these words forth, and they have the potential to impact our environment. Right? How many of you have ever been around somebody that's negative all the time? <laughs> it's exhausting, right? I mean, it's just, you know, what happens at the end of the day, you're like, <sighs> you're, you're worn out. There's nothing good that's been said. It's all problematic. And it just, it's, it's you know, it just does nothing for your progress in the Lord or in, or in, in, in what it is you're intended to fulfill, your purpose, right? It's, it's exhausting. Anybody ever had that experience? Yeah. We also read in Proverbs um, seventeen twenty eight. These are not on your on your handout. I apologize about that, but I'm giving it to you, and you can look it up if you want later. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. It says, <clears throat> "Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise, and he that shuts his lips is esteemed a man of understanding." So this is this this passage. This proverb is is bringing forth. The, the concept of, you know, e even somebody that maybe is not all that smart, they're accounted as wise when they don't say anything. So the opposite of that is, 
you know, you can look really foolish if you just start spewing stuff out, right? How many times have we been around somebody that maybe they don't really know what to say, so they just start saying stuff? What do they look like? They look like a fool, right? I mean, you've heard it said, you know, well, that person really made a fool of themselves, right? If they had just not said anything, (laughs) it would have been okay, right? And then another um, passage I have is out of Genesis 1-3. And this is about creation, right? It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, he spoke forth creation, right? He spoke forth light. He spoke forth the firmament. He spoke forth the waters. He spoke forth the, the living creatures. You know, those words that are spoken have the capacity to bring forth life. I mean, our, that's how our Father creates, right? He speaks things into being. So, um, words that are not life-bringing, words that don't nourish, words that don't strengthen, words don't, that don't build up or bring about fruitfulness, it would be best if we just didn't say anything, Right? If you ask either of my kids, um, they'll tell you that for the longest time we had this little banner hanging in our kitchen that I think Olivia may have made when she was young. And it said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And that's kind of like the golden rule of, um, of, of speaking forth, right? If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. You know, on your teaching sheet, the first um, passage I have here for us is um, uh, past Matthew twelve thirty six is Colossians four six, and this is Paul, of course, speaking to the church at um, Coloss- Colossae. Sound good? <laughs> um, he says to them, he says, "Let your speech, your logos." be always with grace and grace here is that word charise which we've studied before meaning um, when you speak forth words of grace the words of charise they have a um, an influence a divine influence on the heart right your words should be spoken forth with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man and the word salt here, when you look that up, um, it talks about salt, of course, we know is used as a, as a um, preservative, right? They, they put you know, meat and salt to preserve it so it can be eaten later. It's also a type of a fertilizer and causes things to, to grow and to flourish. And what Paul's saying is when you, when you bring forth your words, they need to be seasoned with grace. They need to be uh, influencing the heart of those that are listening to you. And they need to be seasoned with salt, bringing, you know, life-giving, bringing forth um, and, and fertilizing the life of that individual. Uh, and then it says, so that you may, so that you ought to, I'm sorry, so that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Um this is interesting answering every man what that makes us understand is these people that we're answering are asking questions right and the more we go out and bring forth the message that the lord has given to the saints the more questions that are going to be asked of us isn't that true 
I mean, Monica, when y'all when y'all go out, you have uh, congregants there that maybe are asking, right, about proscuneo or about diversities of tongues. And we have to know how to answer them, right, with these, with these words that we speak. Paul also addresses this in um, his letter to the Romans. And it's in Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Paul says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. So follow after means, means to pursue those things that, we, that we're pursuing and pressing towards. We need to pursue those things that make for peace, those things that um, foster an environment of quietness and rest and, um, and reflect the, it actually in studying this word it says that, that reflects the Messiah's peace, right? Peace comes from the Lord, right? And these things that we speak forth need to bring people who are maybe previously in, in tumult or tumultuous situations or, um, I don't want to say discomfort, but, but, you know, just they're not in a good place. The words that we speak have the power to uh, create a calm atmosphere through the Holy Spirit coming into the presence there and fostering that peace that comes from Jesus. So let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Edify, we've, we've studied that word before as well. Oikidome, I believe, or oikidoma. It's the act of building up or promoting another's growth in Christian wisdom, happiness, and holiness. So, understanding the power of our words and what we say to one another, especially not just in this house, but as we go out, is really important for us. And I really think that many people um, struggle to some extent with knowing how to answer or what words to bring forth to somebody that, that, that has questions. And this is not something that's new. You know, we read in James, I mean, he was Pastor James, right? Jesus' brother. In James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, he's speaking and he says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, if any man offends not in word, the same is a perfect man and is able also to bridle the whole body. I'm going to stop there for just a minute. It says, if any man offend not in word, okay, that's what is spoken forth. If you, if you don't bring about words of offense, but you bring about words seasoned with grace, then that man is a perfect man. And it says that he is able also to bridle the whole body meaning uh, you know like a horse you put a bridle on a horse and now you have control over that horse right when you have control over the words you speak and and how you um, present what the lord has given you to others you have now control over over your body 
this church is a body. The Saints Network is a body. And if if we will allow the Lord to season our words and our and our speech as we go forth, we we will maintain control over the body. And we'll see here in a minute. Um, we've all read about the tongue and how it's a small thing in the body and it can be very unruly, right? A lot of destruction can come about from simple things that we say that we don't think about before we say them. Continuing on in this passage in James 3, 1 through 12, it says, Behold, we put bits in the horses, horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we can turn about their whole body, and also ships, even though they're great and are driven about by fierce winds, they're turned about by a very small helm or rudder. Wheresoever the governor listeth, which means wherever the captain of the ship wants it to go, he can make it go by moving the helm and controlling the rudder, right? Same way with our, our tongue, the things that we say. Wherever we want to go, which is where the Lord wants us to go, right? We can control that by what we say or what we don't say. It says, Even so the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. That's amazing right there. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. It defiles the whole body and it sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil and full of deadly poison. Wherewith we bless God, even the Father, and wherewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a fountain send forth from the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, or either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. <clears throat> you know, we've all been, we've all found ourselves in the place where, you know, you know, maybe we've brought forth a glorious message for the work of the Lord, and then we go home and we say something to a friend or a loved one, and we're like, and it's totally destructive. You know, it's like, how, how can that be? I mean, I just, you know, sat there and brought forth this message on edifying the church. And then I go home and say, I can't believe you did that. You know, or, or just, you know, I mean, we really have to be, and I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody, we really have to be cautious of, of um, what we say to one another. We have to remember that our words carry weight. And what we say really does matter. And we need to speak the truth, we need to speak life, we need to speak fruitfulness to one another and to those that we come in contact with. You know, we talked earlier about being around somebody that's negative all the time. Have you ever been around somebody that you would label an encourager? It's like every 
thing they say to you is just, it just, I mean, you're like, wow, you know, they really build you up. I mean, you leave that meeting and you think, boy, I want to spend more time with that person, right? Have you ever had that happen? I've got some clients that way, you know, I mean, you do a meeting and they're just, everything's great and, I mean, they just, they're very edifying and, and, and um, they really build you up. And it's as simple as a, a you know, noticing things, being complimentary of, of the way somebody interacts with another person. You know, Monica, you really, I watched you pray for that person. I could just tell that, you know, you really built them up and they left a different person. The, that's, that's what we want to be. We want to be those that edify others and build them up and strengthen and encourage. And you know, something else that we have to remember is um, the words that we speak not only affect those that hear them, but they also impact us, don't they? And if, if, we're, if we're not mindful of what we say and we do say things that impact us negatively, does that do anything for our ministry to others? No, it doesn't. Those words that we speak have an impact on us. And you've heard it said that negativity breeds discontent, right? But the opposite is also true. If you speak truth and you speak life and you speak uh, the word of the Lord over ourselves and over others and over situations, we can watch the very environment change. We can watch uh, relationships change. You can watch uh, the direction or the course of an individual's lives or of the body of a church change direction based on um, the way that you speak, the way that the, that the body speaks. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to read verses 1 through 9. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained the precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Praise the Lord for that. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. And, of course, charity there is agape, which is like brotherly love. For if these things be in you and they abound in you, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ.
But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. <clears throat> you know, Peter is, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's telling his congregation there um, what they really need to be focused on, right? These, these virtues, right, the, the knowledge of, of the Lord, being patient, godliness, having brotherly kindness, you know, preferring one another over ourselves, which is not always um, how we act, right? And when you lack these things, you are, you're blind. You have blindness, like these scales that come upon you, and you cannot see um, afar off, and you can't even see near. You can't see the pathway that the Lord has laid before you. And the beautiful thing about this is, um, you know, all we have to do is, is be mindful of, of how we're going along, right? And if we find ourselves um, speaking negative things or, you know, not acting out of agape, you know, or being selfish or not edifying others, you know, we can stop, right? And we can repent. And we can bring that before the Lord and ask that he will fill our mouth and our spirits with those things that he wants us to speak forth. Something that the Lord's had me um, doing more recently, you may do this all the time, but, you know, if there's situations that are going on in my life, I'm, I'm very quick to always go to the word and look for the answer there. But then taking that answer, that scripture, and then praying it over my situation. Because sometimes you just, you know, you've prayed and prayed and prayed about something, and you just almost run out of words, right? You don't really know how or what to pray anymore, right? But if you go to the Word, and you find the Lord's Word for that situation, just speak His words over it. It's, it's, it's life-changing. Amen? Um, so that's what I wanted to talk about in terms of, you know, giving account for every idle word we speak. Let's not speak idle words. Let's speak words of purpose. Let's speak words of meaning. Let's speak words of edification. Let's speak forth the words that the Lord has given us to speak forth. Amen. Um, recently, I heard this, this uh, comment, and it really stuck with me. And it's this. The, the quote was, Condemnation is the fruit of accusation. Condemnation is the fruit of accusation. I think that at some point we've all had some kind of condemnation, right? We've all feel, felt condemned. And that's not good or bad. It's just it is. It is what it is. But we have to understand that if condemnation is the fruit of accusation, where is that coming from? Is it coming from the Lord? I don't think so. Condemnation comes from the devil. Accusation comes from the devil. We know that Satan's primary mission is to what? 
steal, kill, and destroy. And we know that he is the accuser of the brethren, right? In Revelation 12, 10 through 12, there's a conversation that's had in heaven, and I want to read that. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. Praise the Lord for that. So Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And the way that we have overcome that, number one, is not we, it's Jesus' blood has saved us from the accuser of the, of the brethren, but also by the word of our testimony. Again, the word, the, what we speak forth, our testimony. Um, the accuser here, if you look up the word, it's categoros, and it comes from two words, kata, which means against or to lay to the charge of someone or something, and agora, which we know is the marketplace or the assembly of people or the assembly of the brethren. So categoros or accuser means to come against one in the assembly and to make a complaint. And it, it really, I mean, it's referring to Satan here. Now, as I said earlier, we've all had this spirit of condemnation be upon us, and hopefully we've all gotten through that. But I really feel like condemnation is really present and active in our world. I, th I think a lot of people, not just um, those in the world, but even those, and maybe even especially some of those in the church, they have this feeling of condemnation. Um, Maybe it's for their past or something they've done in their past. But, you know, that's, a, that's a, a tactic of the enemy, right? He wants us to bite on that bait. He wants us to take that hook. Because if he can, um, we do know he's a liar, right? And if he can dig up something from the past and accuse you of it and get you to really start, you know, running with that line then he can bring about that sense of condemnation and it can be really hard to get out from underneath. And when you have, when a person has that sense of condemnation, they, they can't move forward. I mean, it's a heavy weight and a heavy burden on them. And they really feel that they can't move forward. And if they have this feeling of condemnation and they feel that they're not good enough, then they definitely feel they're not good enough to do anything for the Lord. I mean, how, how could I have this condemnation for something that's happened in the past and be used at all of the Lord? I mean, that's like oil and water. You can't mix those two. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? 
And I just think that um, we need to reaffirm everybody within our network, those that have come in that are new, if there's any form of condemnation that is not from the Lord. And there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. We read that in Romans um, chapter 8, verses 1 to one and 2. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, looking at that passage a little more, it says, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ. So that would be the first question you would ask if a person has this sense of condemnation. Have they really, you know, are they walking in Christ? You know, have, have they repented of whatever this is? Um, or are they walking after the flesh? You know, some people wonder why things are going wrong in their lives, and yet they're not walking in line with the Spirit. They're walking according to their flesh, right? They don't want to give this up or that up. They want to hold on to that. And, you know, if you do that, it's not going to get any better. And that could be the problem for some, right? They're walking after the flesh. But in Luke 23, verses 39 to 43, we read about um, what I've titled the repentant heart. It says... And one of the malefactors, this is, of course, is when Jesus has been crucified and is hanging on the cross. One of the malefactors, which were hanged with him, railed on him, saying, If you be the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other one answering rebuked him, and he said, Do you not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we are condemned justly, for we've received the reward uh, for our deeds." But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You know, this is one of my favorite um, passages when I think about people that say, you know, I've lived my life so bad, the Lord could never forgive me. You know, I could never come, you know, into your church because of the way that I've lived my life. I mean, this passage is the total game changer for that, right? This guy was a criminal. He was hung on the cross for his, you know, transgression. He was about to die and go to hell. And he had a, it doesn't say that he said, you know, he didn't have this long, time of confession and repentance and turning and living his life right for 10 years, you know, or whatever. I mean, it was in a moment, and it wasn't even necessarily, um, it, was a, it was a condition of his heart. I mean, by him looking at this other criminal saying, look, we've been hung up here because of what we did. This man's done nothing. You know, his heart had been changed, and, and when he ask Jesus, you know, remember me. I mean, that was, that was a, a repentant heart that had, had turned 180 degrees. And, you know, we don't know if that criminal that was up there was feeling condemnation, but I think that this is a good display of the fact that he, he did 
you know, he was condemned for what he had done, but he also realized that there was a way out. And he got it. Because, I mean, Jesus says, you'll be with me this day in paradise. And I believe that. I believe, you know, when it was all over at the end of that day, they were both there together. So having a repentant heart is, um, is key to battling or overcoming condemnation. Something else that's important is uh, what I've titled here, Come to the Light. In John uh, chapter 3, verses 16 through 21, it says, For God, now we know John 3, 16. While we were on vacation, we were talking about, I wonder what the most often repeated scripture is. And we thought it was probably John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, and neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doth I'm sorry, but he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. <clears throat> so it says that, that God sent his son not in the world to, to condemn the world, right? So condemnation doesn't come through Jesus. Jesus brings the opposite of that. Condemnation comes through the enemy. Condemnation means to be punished or to be damned or to be judged or to be sentenced. And Jesus did not come for that. Jesus came that the world might be saved through him, which is that word sozo, which means to be delivered or healed, uh, made whole. But, you know, we do live today in this world um, that is in condemnation because of what? Because the light has come and men love darkness rather than light. I mean, wow. Men love darkness rather than light. I mean, we see it all around us, don't we? Their deeds are evil. They don't want the light to be shined on them. And you know what? We have the light in us, right? We need to let our light shine. And not in a condemning way, but, you know, in a, in a way that, that truth is spoken forth to these individuals and that they will come to that place of having that repentant heart and turning um, from, from their ways. How many of you want the spotlight of the Lord shined on you? We do. That's what we want. I mean, it seems like the light these days is shined on all the... the uh, all the corruption, you know, all the all the problems, all the ugh, all the stuff, right? I mean, it's what makes the headlines in the news. Um, I was just reading about 
Monica sent me an article about the the uh, Democratic debate that was had on Thursday, and it's just, you know, you read it, and it's just like, oh, I mean, all this grossness, right? I mean, the, the it's it's almost like, I don't know, I, 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 it's this this passage that says. Men love darkness rather than light, right? You know, Liz, I, I look at what's going on, and there's, I mean, maybe this is so simple, but it's, it's like there's just a shroud over these people that they just are so trapped in. Like, I mean, you listen to Nancy Pelosi. That woman's nuts. <laughs> I'm sorry. She Can we put just, that on record? <laughs> You know, it's like she just babbles. And it's like you look at it and you think, there's just this shroud where they just, it's not getting through what's right, what's pure, what's holy, what's best for the nation, for humanity. It's, I mean, it, to me, I just look at it and think, this is just pure evil what's going on. And it's like, it's just covering them and it's like you know it's all, you just want to pray God just remove the veil from their eyes because on the other side of glory they're going to see how wrong they were and how bad it has been for the nation it's just almost you can't, almost can't comprehend what you're seeing happening you know it's so just so the enemy oh it is just unbelievable. It's like what happened to what happened to our nation? It's like just almost since 9/11. That's I mean, it's been going on forever, but I, th I feel like since 9/11, like Veronica was just in New York City for her dog's surgery. This week they're having Pride Week. I'm thinking this this place was destroyed in 9/11, and it's like they didn't learn anything. It's just I mean, sorry. It's, no, just, that's it's just almost, I mean, your city was destroyed. Thousands of people died. The economy started crumbling. It's just like from that point, it's just been this like dominoes. You're just, you know, yeah. You know, Monica, the thing that, that I, when I think about 9-11, and I think about the state of our country today, and I think about how divided we are, you know, um, interestingly, when 9-11 happened, it brought the nation together. I know. Okay, I mean, it's like everybody rallied around that that one event, and they said, nah, -uh, this is not going to happen, right? And we, you know, joined arm in arm to fight evil, mm -hmm. and that fight continues to this day. But what's most amazing to me, like you're commenting about, is how far we've come from that yeah. you know it's like we, we've in our lifetime we've witnessed probably the greatest point of unity as a nation in our lifetime mm -hmm. not ever but in our lifetime when 9-11 happened mm -hmm. to the greatest point of disunity and right. division that we've we've seen you know i think about the founding of our nation right and and um you know those that left england to come over here to start a new nation right they did, they did that, you know, they wanted to escape the persecution mm -hmm. and come to a land that they could set up for 
you know, to have freedom, freedom where they could worship the Lord God, that they could be of one mind, that they could um, make a, 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 a new way and a new life for themselves. And it's like now, I mean, I mean, I sometimes I, I know this, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but I, I hope it doesn't. You know, are we, you know, did we start over here with our founding fathers leaving Europe and coming over and starting a new nation? And then we've like slowly progressed all the way over here to the other side. <laughs> and now are we going to have to leave this nation and go start a new nation? You know, I mean, it almost feels like that. It's really, I think, I think what's going to happen is we're going to come all the way over here and Jesus is going to come back and then we're going to step in to our new nation, right? It's, it's really tragic. It's like you almost want to take those people out of Washington and say, let's come to America and see what's happening out here with you know, the average person who's mm -hmm. working eight to five, struggling to, you know, to yeah. make ends meet, pay right. bills, yeah, and survive. your insurance and all this. I mean, it's like they are just totally so far away from what's really happening in our nation. Yeah. We're, we're in an identity crisis, seriously, <laughs> and, and people have to recognize it. And our, our citizenship is not connected to this world. Yeah. But you think about it. I mean, the basis of so much of their policy now is yeah. is is the benefits for the illegal aliens, <laughs> which well, is the total contrast to the true identity of who we exactly. are. Exactly. So the whole, you know, it, it's a spiritual it's a spiritual battle. Yeah. It's battling our identity. We're, we're making great headway. We just can't uh, get our. Just don't watch the news. <laughs> yeah, they're just going so far left that they, they make no sense. They're just babbling. They're making no <laughs> sense. Because they're determined that's, that's to be right. Yeah, that's true. Situation, be it a government or it doesn't matter who it is, he's going to try to get us to not focus on the, the main thing, which is our heavenly citizenship. Sure. Our identities in him. If we keep that focus, we're going to be okay. That's a good observation. I was just sitting here thinking that, Mark, exactly what you said is, you know, our job, we, we, don't, we don't want to wake up one day and say, boy, I really missed an opportunity, right? Our opportunity is now. Our opportunity is to not get caught up in this fray, in this finger pointing, and getting all riled up and babbling, right? right? And keeping our wits about ourselves, keeping our spiritual armor on and proclaiming the goodness of the Lord yes. right yeah. look our course your course Fran Monica Rick Nancy I mean our course is not set by Donald Trump sure. our course is not set thank God by Nancy Pelosi okay mm -hmm. our course is set by King Jesus and when people get all riled up and they come to you, can you believe this and that? And you say, I mean, you can just stand there in absolute peace and serenity and say, I know the God I serve. Mm -hmm. And how many, look, if I had my big Bible up here, I'd like go like this, <laughs> flick the pages. 
How many times do we see in the history of the world the Lord using yeah. unrighteous yeah. rulers, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. to cause his will to come to pass? Mm -hmm. Our job, we have to be good citizens of the United States. We have to be good citizens. We need to vote. We need to do those things that wisdom would tell us we should do, okay? And you know what? If you don't vote, <laughs> don't say a word. Okay? We need to do those things. But more importantly, what we need to do is understand whom we serve and who charts our course. Right? It's the Lord. And, and we don't want to look back and say, wow, I really missed an opportunity to let my light shine to all those people that were all riled up about, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Elizabeth Warren and Donald Trump. Okay? Because... You know, this is, I mean, we've all read the end of the book. You know, we all want things to get better. But, you know, the book doesn't say that. The book doesn't say all is going to be glorious and then Jesus is going to come back. Right? Trials. <laughs> fiery trials. Difficult times. You know, I mean, you know, what, what if... The government got so bad that they came in and took everything you had. Yeah. You know, your home that you spent 30 years paying off, and now you have, you know, some security. Democrats, you know, I mean, <laughs> what, I mean, if something like that were to happen, it would be it would be traumatic. But nonetheless, it's not going to change the arc of your course if you're if you're on the right course, okay? Mm -hmm. Because we brought nothing in. We ain't taking nothing out. Right? I mean, next time you're outside, reach down and grab a handful of dirt. You know, let it crumble between your fingers. That's what we're made of. Okay? This is not us. Okay? The spirit within us is us. You know, I mean, we, we've all had this experience, and I'm, I'm glad Monica's not here, but, you know, we had to have our dog, Reese, put down. And, you know, you, you've all had an experience like that where you see the spark of life leave. Mm -hmm. You know you know what I'm saying? And it may have been with your dad. I don't know. We've all seen that. The spark of life leaves. Your body is just a tent. I mean, it is a house of clay, right? It's not lasting. For some of us, we're glad it's not lasting. <laughs> we don't want to be in this thing forever, right? <laughs> Our spirit... Again, while we were on the beach, we were, you know, we talk a lot, we read and we study and we pray, and we were talking about Jesus giving up the ghost. And, you know, he said, into my hands I commend my spirit. You know, Jesus wasn't, I mean, Jesus is the spirit, right? We are the spirit. We are here for such a brief time, you guys. I mean, it feels like a long time for some of us. We're not here that long. And when we leave, it's just we're, our, our spirit's leaving this earthly body going to be with the Father. I can't wait for that day, right? Nonetheless, while we're here in these bodies walking this earth, we need to be letting our light shine. And you know what? Light needs to shine in dark places. I love the fact <laughs> that Jesus hung out with the harlots and the sinners and the losers and the, the criminals of the day. All the gangsters. 
right? He didn't come to heal those that were well. He came to heal. Right. You know, so we need to we need to just remember that. I mean, we he is our elder brother. He walked before us. He showed us the way, right? The world would say, "Monica, why are you hanging out with all the harlots?" Right? And you're saying because I'm trying to let my light shine. You know, I want my light shining in dark places. But when when we let our light shine in dark places, I'm telling you, people are going to ask questions. Words are going to be exchanged. And you and I need to know what words to bring forth and how to bring them forth. What spirit to bring those words forth in. Okay? And that's why I think the Lord has really had me, he's been impressing upon me what we say, how we say our words, and, and the fact that those words really matter. I mean, you can change the course of a life with a one word. Jesus. <laughs> Mark, why are you happy all the time? Jesus. Monica, you just lost your job. Why are you still happy? Jesus. You know, I mean, it's all it takes. And we have to know that <laughs> if we don't if we don't and we're not reminded every day that we are in a dark place but it's okay we're where the Lord has us I'm going to get through these last few scriptures and we'll be done John 5:24. verily verily I say unto you he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life You know, going into Brazil, there's a lot of um, evil. There's a lot of spirituality and demonism and, and death over there, okay? But there's a lot of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, the churches that we're partnering with, there is a lot of life. We want to see those over there pass from that dark place. We want to shine that light and see them pass from death unto life. Don't we? Amen. Amen. James 5:12. Above all things, my brethren, swear not. All you out there that are cursing all the time, quit, <laughs> Trish. Neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. The new nay nay. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be known as a people, a church or a network uh, of people that are wishy-washy, you know, that just kind of go with whatever. I mean, we do not want to be those that are blown about by every wind of doctrine, right? We've had a lot of talk lately about different doctrines and different teachings that sound good, but some's just not quite right, Okay. Y'all, the word says, the enemy will seek to deceive even the elect. Who's the elect? Us. Mm -hmm. There is only one doctrine for us. Okay? There's only one word. There's only one word. God's word. I mean, I love to read. Okay? 
But there's only, when it comes to spiritual things, I'm not saying I don't read other books, but I am saying when it really comes to the, where the rubber meets the road, there's only one book, okay? And any book that speaks contrary to the Word of God, throw it out. Like Mark just said, throw it out. Don't even go there. I mean, if something... I remember one time Monica found a book in Noah's room and it just something didn't sit right with her and you know she's you know starts doing a little due diligence on this and it you know it was somebody that's kind of on the fringe marginal you can't you know you can't go there because that's a that's a trap door okay you're standing on top of a trap door you open that book and start reading bang the floor falls out and in you go and it's hard to get out you know you start believing a lie don't Go there. Don't look to any other doctrine. There is no other doctrine for us. I'm not saying there's no other doctrine because there's a lot of doctrine. There's doctrines of demons. There's doctrines of devils. There's all kinds of other doctrine. I'm saying for us, there is no other doctrine but the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 11, 28, 32. Eating and drinking damnation. Now listen. self you know, looking in, self-introspection, uh, self-examination. These are things we sh all should do with some regularity, okay? Because none of us, I mean, we're all human. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, which means they've died. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Paul is speaking to believers here. Okay, maybe new believers, maybe older believers. But he's speaking to believers. You know, how many of you have ever eaten something that was not good? Not untasty, but something that made you throw up. Okay? That's your, your body. The body's an amazing thing. But, you know, when you eat something that's bad, spoiled, or, ha you know, has whatever in it, your body throws it up, right? Your body realizes, oh, wait a minute, that is not any good, out it goes, okay? Why does it do that? It goes because it's purging your body of those poisons. I mean, you may be sweating, you may have fever. You know, it's your body's way of fighting off and, and purging itself of sickness. We need to examine ourselves, meaning how we live, what we say, what we do, are we living in accordance with the will and the ways of the Father, or are we living, you know, contrary? Are we loving a lie? Are we walking in the flesh? Or are we speaking the truth in righteousness and in light and walking according to the Word? We need to self-examine so that if we are doing anything that's unworthy, and we, you guys, <laughs> it happens, okay? But if we, if we, you know, if there's that saying that says if, if a man believes a lie long enough, you know, if you, if you tell yourself something long enough, 
you'll even you will believe it, even if it's a lie. Okay. We need to cut that off right at the beginning, right? I don't pull a whole lot of weeds, but I've pulled weeds before. And you know if they're small, you can reach down and just kind of pull them up. They come up real easy. But man, some of those suckers, when they get tall and you go to pull them out, you'll break your back trying to get the thing out. I mean, you got to go get the shovel and dig it out, right? It's the same way. I mean, if, if we allow sin or, um, what does it say? unworthy living to take root and to sink down into the soil of our lives, it's hard to uproot that. I mean, we can. We can ask the shovel of the Lord to dig that out of us, but it's going to be a whole lot more work and a whole lot more disruptive and a whole lot more painful. Think about disruptiveness, okay? If you pull the little weed out when it's small, does it disrupt what's around it? Yeah, not really. If you go to pull that big sucker out and you have to go get the shovel and you got to like move these plants up, you know, you have to dig it out. It's very disruptive. That's, if we will live our lives in a way that we're constantly judging ourselves, our actions, our words, what we do, how we live, what we speak, then we won't get to the point that we're not so far gone. You know, we won't get to that point where it's really... Um, You know what I'm saying? Taking over. Taking over, right. Yeah, if you don't tend to the garden, the weeds take over. Mm-hmm. All right. That really is it. So be mindful of the words you say. They have power. Okay? Speak forth those things that edify, build up, lift up, exhort. Those things that strengthen, those things that bring forth fruitfulness. And examine yourself when you're speaking forth negatively or you're bringing forth destruction or whatever it is. Just stop. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Okay? Um, words, what, what we say, how we say it, is, is really, really important. And then, again, any of us that ever get to a point where we're feeling some sense of condemnation, remember that condemnation is the fruit of accusation. Okay? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He may be accusing you of something unrightly. You need to take control over that and cast that down. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray. What an interesting uh, discussion, Lord. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your spirit. Father, just fill us with your words for this lost and dying world in which we live. Give us... um, like Jesus had compassion on the people, right? He saw people that were sick and he had compassion on them and he healed them. Lord, give us that same kind of compassion for this sick world that we live in. Give us that compassion. Give us those words to speak that bring forth life and life more abundantly. Father, we know that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down that his days are numbered and that we are clean through the blood of Jesus and the confession of our mouth. And Father, anybody that's hearing my voice right now or anybody in this place that has this foreboding sense of condemnation, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come forth into them even now, Father, that your Holy Spirit would would wash them clean. Father, that they would be brought to the point of repentance and turning 
they would be brought to the point of confession. Father, that they would start speaking forth goodness and truth and life over themselves, over their loved ones, over their communities. Father, we are not condemned. Jesus did not come to bring condemnation, but to bring life. And we thank you for that. Father, bless this day. Bless everybody in this house, everybody in the network. Father, throughout the earth, Lord, bless your saints. And let us bless you, Father, in all we say and in all we do. And Father, let our light shine. We're like the moon, Lord. It's your light reflecting off of us. Let us shine to all those that are around us. Let them see the light and just be inquisitive and ask questions of us. And let us be quick to give an account for the reason for that light that's in us. Father, we love you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for all things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.